Today's scripture reading passage is Psalm 119, 105 through 107. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me life according to your word. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who are new, my name's Chris. also serve as one of the pastors here. What a fun morning so far. Uh, glad that you're able to be with us. And this morning is going to get even more special uh, as we have the privilege of welcoming the esteemed Dr. Doug Logan uh, with us this morning. Uh, Doug is the Vice President of Advancement for Acts 29, as well as the President of Grimke Seminary in Richmond, Virginia. And Doug is one of my favorite leaders in Acts 29, and here's why. Here's why. This is what I love about Doug. One, when it comes to the glory of God, the lordship of Christ, proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, planting churches, Doug takes all of that very seriously. He is passionate about that, and he leads us as Acts 29 and as Acts 29 churches in that, to take all of that seriously, to be committed and be passionate about those things. But Doug also is great because he doesn't allow us to take ourselves too seriously. Uh, his warmth and his joy uh, are, such, are so life-giving to the network, and so I love being able to, to follow his leadership. I always have enjoyed sitting under his teaching, and you guys are going to be blessed this morning uh, as he brings God's word to us. And listen, church, it was an adventure for him to get here. Like yesterday, he, he gave me a call and he said, hey, my flight from Richmond to Charlotte got delayed, and so I'm probably going to miss my flight from Charlotte to Omaha, but... I'm going to try my best to get here at like 9.50 this morning. And so he got up, he, he made it to Charlotte, got up at like 4 a.m. this morning, caught a flight, had a little bit of a snafu in, in Detroit, but got here at 9.30 this morning in Omaha. So he's like literally from the airport here to preach. And so we are excited, yes. And so Doug, you'd come. Amen, amen. Y'all crazy, I like y'all. Well, praise God. It's so good to be here. It has been an adventure. I, my life is an adventure and as it pertains to travel. Um, but man, the Lord worked it out, jumped around um, and um, got here. So it was good. So I bring you greetings from my home church, which is Remnant Church, where I serve as pastor for church planting. And um, I was raised, ruined and resurrected in New Jersey. Amen. Amen. But I moved to Richmond. Um, from the PTSDs of 25 years of urban ministry. And um, I needed a respite, so I'm in Richmond now. And honored to serve as Vice President of Advancement. Advancement, that's a bootleg thing for diversity. So we started Acts 29 Urban, Acts 29 Asian Diaspora, Acts 29 Indian Diaspora, Acts 29 Espanol. What those are is those are the cracks and crevices within Acts 29 that often get neglected, not because we don't like those spots, we just don't have a lot of people going there. So it's my job to go there and get in to those cracks and crevices with the gospel. So I know you, you guys bang hard with Tyler St. Clair. He is our Acts 29 urban dude, and man, he was supposed to be here this week, but he couldn't be here. He has like 400 kids in one house. I don't know how they survive, but he has a lot of kids. They need a school bus with rims, but um, <laughs> yeah, so it's good to be here. We have our Acts 29 conference this week, and I just hollered at Pastor Chris. 
He put me up. He had all his very pretty clothes on, and his hair had the perfect amount of gel in it. And so I was very happy to meet him and his wife. I never met him. I just sent a flash. I'll be in town. What's up? So it's good to be here. Baby dedications and everything. So we're going to jump in here. And uh, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, Pastor, give me this right here if you don't mind. You got your, he got the FBI earplug on. I feel like, don't worry about that thing. We're going to do it right here. It's all good. I love church planning. It can be broke and it's not even bad. Don't y'all worry. It's all good. Okay. There we go. Let me get back. I got a sermon now. So, why don't we pray? I'm going to preach, and then I'm going to convince these elders to pay for my lunch. <laughs> Let's just do that. Father, we need you. We love you. Lord, um, I think about those babies up here. What a contribution that is required of this congregation. And what a mess we can make of it, too. So, God, help us not to mess it up. Um, might these children be raised and have uncles and aunts that are not related to them at all? But we know that that blood of Jesus is thicker than even family blood. And so, God, might they raise up with a multiplicity of support, love, protection, and discipline. We pray that when we believe in that pile. We're praying for deacons and elders and leaders and scholars and doctors and lawyers that you would birth loaded with Jesus. Would you bring them to faith, we pray. Bring them to faith that they might know you. And God, give the parents courage in this crooked culture to raise them uncompromised. Um, so now, Lord, we need your word. We're back again with the same old thing. We need to know that you died, you rose, and you're coming back. We believe it to be true, but we so regularly need to be reminded of it. So be with us in this moment as we dive into your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I, I particularly wanted to preach today as a church planter. I planted Epiphany Camden in 2011. And from there, we planted nine to ten churches, most of them in America's most dangerous cities. There was a bootleg freedom for me to do pastoring and preaching as I began to pastor in 1999, you know, 2000. Now, we'd be crazy if we didn't miss that the culture is pushing in on the church, that matters of a multiplicity of things are raging, not just outside the church, but even within the church. Um, 
the marginalization between races of Christians is, mar is getting wider. Denominations are digging deeper and doubling down. And um, we have things such as simple things like male and female being what they are as God designed them under challenge and question and threat, closing in on schools, closing in on our churches, closing in and around on our children. And I just have a simple passage today, and I want to remind you first, Jesus is still on the throne. And the word of God is the truth. And as believers, we stand on that word of God. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we're so glad you're here first. Second, we ain't mad at nobody. I don't come to argue against. I come to celebrate the God who's given us the righteous way to live. Of which we fail often, but we have a father who puts on band-aids and uses a belt he disciplines and he repairs. We have a savior that went before us to deal with all the crookedness of this world, not just episodic issues, but he bore all of the sins on him. So we're in good company with Jesus, but I wanna remind us, we've got a word from the Lord. And it's true. So our the so Van Til, Cornelius Van Til, great theologian, apologist, he says this. All theology starts with God. So every conversation and every thought we have is captivated by God's word. So there's an answer for all the challenges of this world that we don't need to fight about. We Christians, we celebrate them. Amen. Yeah, I'm not here to fight. I'm here to tell you what God said and say amen, whether I like it or not. I'm from the old black church. We would say, we would say something, the preacher would say something, then he would say, um, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> so if you can't say amen, say ouch. That's okay. But don't say no, because it's God's word. I'm going to let them get that mic down. You can bring me way down. I'm real loud. And if, and if I'm leaving the rug, is that rug the rule? <laughs> I didn't take my meds. So if this rug is the rule, I need like some soul food to make me tired. Well, I'm going to stay in the red cup and see. Ugh. Psalm 19, 105. Let's jump in here. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me according to your word. Francis J. Grimke, a pastor of 50 years in Washington, D.C., of which my seminary is named after. This is what he says. We need, what we need is instruction. Care, careful, painstaking, painstaking instruction. It's coming up there. That's that first quote from Francis J. Grimke. We need instruction, careful, painstaking 
instruction in the things of God as set forth in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, if we were to develop, if we are to develop properly to grow strong morally and spiritually and are to be saved from falling into error. What a word from, Pat, from Pat, Dr. Grimke. More than anything in the world, family, we need God's word everywhere we go. So here's my simple walkout of Psalm 119, 105. The word of God leads us in our walk with Christ. You can bring me down a little bit more so you can, it'll stop the echo. The word is a lamp. The word of God leads us in our walk with Christ. 119, 105. Stay with me. Your word is a lamp on my feet and a light to your path and a light on my path. See, the Bible is the source of God's revelation, a light that shines away um, all along the path of our life. That would be Psalm 1611. It is the way in which we walk. It is the light that lights our path. It leads us um, to God's right hand where there is fullness and joy and pleasures forevermore. See, Jesus Christ is the central figure of the whole Bible in both Old and New Testaments. In the Old Testament, he is hidden and anticipated. In the New Testament, he is revealed and enjoyed. See, the whole point of the Bible is that we should come to know and enjoy and love and serve and believe in and live for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the Savior and Lord of all. See, it's God's word. It's from God. It's from God's heart. It's from his love. It's the word. It's from the creator of all things. See, God spoke into darkness and lit up the darkness. And it's a present, not just past. It's past and not just future. It's future. But I love he says the word is. It's present. It's active. God's words, it's always relevant for all times. It does not need no hookup or no hot sauce for it to work. It's good. It needs no seasoning or no flavor. It works. It's real. It's alive. The word of God is the word of life, and that word of life is the source of life. First John, I mean, John chapter one tells us the unique revelation from God. There's a word about in this word. There's a word about immorality and immortality. That's in the word. It's a word about heaven and hell. There's a word about human gender realities. There's a word about really under, the real understanding of race and racism. There's a word. These questions can't be found apart from the divine revelation of the Bible. The Bible teaches us about the love of God, about the grace of God, about salvation rooted in Jesus. One writer said it's the divine schematic for living a life that is both fulfilled and fulfilling in Christ Jesus. See, God's word is dependable. God's word is reliable. God's word is sufficient. God's word is unequal all throughout history. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness 
in your hearts to God. Colossians 3.16. So I love the, the psalmist says, it's a lamp and a light. Lamp to my feet, he says. Lamp. See, lamps represented in, um, on the context of this, of this passage. It represents, and, without, and through, even throughout the Bible, lamps represent vision, guidance, and God's counsel. And then he says, my feet, the description of a lamp is more equivalent to more like a candle. The implication is you would have limited visibility of the surrounding area, but just enough with that little candle to navigate, just enough with that candle to navigate. So, so with enough light to navigate through life, God gives us the direction that we need, not all at once, but as needed by God. I love that intimacy and that dependency. He doesn't give us a floodlight. He gives us a lamp for our feet that we might walk in him. Light to my path. Light is meant to shine and illuminate darkness. Without the light of God's word, we will continue to stumble in the dark and we'll never make it to our destination because we will not be able to see our way out of where we are lost in sin, leaning on our own understanding. That's what we were apart from Christ. That's what everybody is apart from Christ. In darkness, believing that they're in light, stumbling through this life on earth and stumbling towards an eternal fall. And God's left his light which is his word. It is the light of God's word that illuminates our path. It is the word of God that has the power unto salvation. It is the word of God that has led us all who are saved out of darkness into God's marvelous light. To my, it says, and it says, it's a light and a lamp to my path. To my path. I love that. So I want you to hear the personal tone he puts on it for my path. He's saying, yeah, it's for everybody. However, He's saying, I'm speaking for me. It's personally for my walk in him, my feet, my journey in him. So he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I like that. For his namesake. You see how God personalizes his name and how God personalizes his word that as we walk in him, we walk not for our platform, not for likes, not for followers. We walk for his namesake. Namesake carries the concept of legacy. In other words, he's saying, when you walk in my name, it's for the fame of my son, Jesus. When you walk in my name, it has general multi-generational impact. So much so we did baby dedication today because somebody walked in the name of those parents and made them come here to First City that they would be up on this stage. And we're believing at this baby dedication that those kids, we're praying, sharing the gospel with them, evangelizing, challenging them, bringing the youth group and giving them pizza and Pepsi and um, hoping that they know Jesus and that they would continue to walk, that their feet might be driven to a legacy, not for their namesake, but for God's namesake. It's for God's legacy. Your legacy will be over. You are going to die, I promise you. But however, you, not like spooky movies where the spirit flies through the living room, you ain't going to fly through nobody's living room. Your legacy is only a legacy of grace at this point. So what you can leave is a legacy of grace. And that legacy of grace only comes from the name of grace, 
Jesus the Christ. So we walk past for his name's sake. Not our platform, not our careers, not our success, not our swag. Our swag dies. Jesus has the eternal swag of the living God. His is eternal. Ours is bootleg. If they were Jordans, you'd get kicked off of eBay for selling them because they're fake. But we have, a, we walk for the namesake of our king. James Montgomery Boyce, one of my favorite preachers when I served at, he, I, he was passed when I served at 10th, Pre, 10th Presbyterian Church, but he left all his books and nobody touched them. So I did, I took them. And um, so I got this quote from one of the books I stole. The path is dark because the world is dark, but the Bible clarifies these issues and shows us how to walk through the darkness. Let that hit you. The path is dark and the world is dark. I think it, my slides ain't working. I jacked you up. It's okay. It's okay. We good. We good. I don't want no problem. I feel threatened. <laughs> The path is dark because the world is dark, but the Bible clarifies these issues and shows us how to walk through darkness. I want you to hear, you don't have to figure this out. God's left you a word. His Holy Ghost GPS is his word of God. And then even on that journey, he's got this awesome companion, counselor we call the Holy Ghost who is the Rosetta Stone of that word, who translates it into your heart. So you got a GPS and a driver. You don't have to be trapped. You're not alone to figure this out. God's word is a shining lamp to our feet that will guide us through the darkness of this fallen world and is a shining light to brighten the pathway we take. My second idea, the word of God leads us in our commitment to worship God. The word of God leads us in our commitment to worship God. Psalm 106, it says, I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. So therefore, because of God's word, because of what God's word is and what God's word does, the psalmist says, I have sworn an oath to keep, to walk in, to embrace, to obey your righteous judgments. This should be the determination of every man, woman, child, and absolutely every leader in Christ church. We must be people who make a solemn commitment to obey the Lord because we trust the Lord and to teach God's people to do the same. This is vital and important. And, I'm, and, and though I'm speaking to preachers here and church leaders, I want the congregation to hear there is a lot of bootleg bad preaching out here of not just some wolf-type mean pimp-type jokers, but some well-intended, don't know the Bible, Got a lot of people and a lot of cameras. Facebook Baptist Church. Instagram Baptist Church. 
and they're out here doing a bunch of ridiculousness. Well intended. I grew up in the era where you we were trying to figure out a good church. My mom and them wanted to go to a good church. So they would ask about the church. I want to say to you, a good church preaches the Bible. How novel. A good church is where the pastor believes the Bible. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> a good church is where that Bible is reflected in his life, so much so, he loves his wife and kids. Amazing. <laughs> a good church is where the community is being led in generosity and has a desire to reach the laws. A good church cries for Omaha and Bellevue because there's so many lost people, because the Bible says that there's so many lost people, we got to get them the gospel. A good church but all of that comes from the Word of God. You find a church where the Word of God is secondary and platform is first, you're going to find a church that doesn't love Jesus like they're supposed to. And if that leader is bootleg, bootleg leaders make bootleg disciples. And bootleg disciples raise bootleg kids. Not evil, bootleg. They're leading from a place that's not biblical. And that is making a mess of things. The reason I'm preaching this is because I, when I look on this little YouTube, Instagram, and all this, I'm hearing the worst preaching I've ever heard. And I'm looking for the Bible. The one of them would hold up the Bible and say, this is God's word. Boom, 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 boom. It is what I say it is. And then he don't preach from it. <laughs> First city. Let me say something. The Bible is true. And it's the only way we can be a church. Is with the Bible. So read it. Believe it. Do it. Pastors, preach it. Preach it hard on the rough days. Preach it hard on the good days. Preach it in the midst of the storm days. Preach it in the midst of community chaos. Preach it in the midst of gender chaos. Preach the Bible. It is the elixir and the fixer. It is the solution for all these problems. We have the answers, the word of God, and we don't add no, no ginger ale to it. The Bible is straight, no chaser. It's potent. And nor do it's hot sauce already. We don't need to heat it up either. It's good like it is. We don't need to heat it up or cool it down. It's the right temperature to engage the cultural temperature of this world. But we got to actually believe it. I can't believe we're talking about churches that don't preach or believe the Bible and they still call themselves a church. That's like a vegan steak shop. There should be a commitment to the word and not just of the pastors, but every man, woman, and child that calls Christ Savior should be a clear commitment. 
This should be our determination. Committed to God's word in what? In practice, in preaching, in pastoring. Why? Because the world is a dark place, ruled by a dark Lord, Satan. The people are still in darkness in Bellevue and around Nebraska, separated from Christ, lost without a compass, in no way to get out on their own. And the word of God gives us the challenge and the words to preach that they might know him. The scriptures are sufficient authority for the whole of the Christian life. They are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that man, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3.16, as the church is under attack. I want to be clear. The word is sufficient in all matters of faith and conduct. It is the rule of faith of Christ, right? It rules us. It is sufficient for what marriage is. It is sufficient for what gender is. It is sufficient for the roles of men and women in the church. It is sufficient for human rights because it can't be right for humans if it ain't from the Bible. It is sufficient for what race is. It does not need a sociological companion to be relevant. It's a standalone sufficient because God is standalone sufficient. It is a relevant word for all generations. It's a right word for all righteousness. It's a real word, not an artificial word or trendy. It's a straight, no chaser word. Sufficient and never deficient. Sufficient, fully furnished. No need to supplement it with anything, anyone, any concept, any idea. It's sufficient, sufficient, and it provides for its followers a sufficiency. That's sufficiency, and the believer's sufficiency is not from men, but the believer's sufficiency is not from human wisdom, nor is it from human resources. The sufficiency that every believer has to trust and know how they're walking for the Lord in turbulent, crazy times when lies are being told, whole, 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 whole truths of Thousands of years are being bent and twisted. We have the sufficiency in God's word to understand what the truth is. This my truth movement don't exist. There is no my truth. If it's not God's truth, then it's your lie. It's just that simple. I wish I had a truth. I just ain't got none. I said ain't got but God's word is sufficient. It's a beautiful word. God is our sufficiency. He is our source. God is able, and there are no limits on his ability. No limits. Don't be scared of that word. It's good for, it's good for all the challenges you face. That's the only way we can have peace. I'll talk from me. The only way that African-Americans and, and white folk and Asian folk are going to land somewhere where we believe the where we believe that we're family, regardless to political party and history, is the Bible. The Bible. I'm not allowed to be mad at nobody on their politics. I can disagree with you passionately. I'm loud and black. but I got to disagree with you like a Christian. And then we've got to land in the right place in all of our disagreements. We got to disagree like Christians. We got to argue like Christians. We have to debate like Christians. We don't debate like we are here on these streets and don't know Jesus. We fight like family. 
often ends in dinner. You gonna fight me, you gotta feed me. That's my model. You treating, I'm eating. But the word of God is how we do life. And I'm not allowed to hate you. I'm not allowed to just call you names. Because I disagree with your point of view. I got to cook slow with you and take my time with you. Just like these parents got to take their time with these kids. I got to take my time. Yeah, I'll be mad. You know what I got to do? I got to repent and act like a Christian. Who told me to do that? That word of God. That word of God. I think about these past couple of years of contention. And I remember just saying, hey, man, what about that Bible? I was some dude was called me CRT and all of this. I had to Google that. Um, and I said, but what about that Bible? What about the Bible? Are you allowed to just mistreat me? What about the word of God that says you're not? I didn't want to argue. I'm not going to. I'm not going for that. I'm a sinner. I'm going for everything. But God is not. And I think somewhere we lost a little bit of just good old backyard Christianity where we're just messy, but we're messy together as family. We're not foes. We're not enemies. We're believers. We love one another, even when we're mad at each other. So frame up all your arguments, your conversations, your agreements and disagreements from the word of God. And then if I do the same, we're going to mess around and argue a lot less. I just believe it. It's the word of God. My last point, Pastor Chris is looking at me funny. That means my time must be up. <laughs> my time almost up. Pastor Chris, I can do this last one in four minutes. And don't deduct from my check. See, every time I go a minute over, he takes more money off the honorarium. He ain't giving me no honorarium. <laughs> the word of God leads us through our weakness. The word of God leads us through our weakness. So I'll recap and then I'll close this. The word of God leads us in our walk with Christ. The word of God leads us in our commitment to worship. And the word of God leads us through our weakness. So our walk with Christ, he's a lamp unto our feet. Our commitment to Christ is our sworn, our solemn commitment to worship the living God and to walk in family with one another. The Bible tells us how to do that and that, and that he commands we do that. And then the last one is the word of God leads us through our weaknesses. Verse 106, it says, I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me life according to your word. See, we are renewed and revived by God in our afflictions and sufferings as we suffer and go through challenges in this world. The Holy Spirit has a way of renewing and rinsing us in grace and refreshing us with new life. And I'm so glad about it because you best believe in this Christian life, you will be afflicted and you will suffer. 
2 Timothy 3.12 says this, in fact, all who want to live godly and live a godly life in Christ, Jesus um, will be persecuted. Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 1.8 talks about that. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of men, uh, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So God's word is sufficient in our affliction. Paul, when he talks about this thorn in his flesh, he's talking about his affliction. And this is sometimes God applied affliction. And, and often it's for the breaking of the preacher and it's also for the breaking of some believers. I, 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 I believe that and here's my best example is, and so when you hear me say breaking, I want you to hear me right. I want you to hear me say, um, you come from a life without Christ, with power and degrees, and then you come to know Jesus. And sometimes you try to bring your swaggadociousness right into the church with lacking humility, as if you're God's gift to the church sometimes. And God has a way of breaking us, bringing us down to a point where we see him high and lifted up and where he humbles us. I'll give you an example of an example. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha. 1996, man, I was playing basketball um, at the YMCA in New Jersey, and this little joker was trying, we was blowing this little joker's out. Boy, I was putting work in on that joker. We was beating him bad, and then this little cool kid, little short, little short little dude, he started trying to, you know, show off. And they lose him by 10. So you know me, I am giving him the business. Like, you a bum! Scoreboard! None of y'all arrogant like me? <laughs> so he comes and he makes a move and he spins me around. As he spins me around, I fell. Snapped my ankle in three places. So let me tell you the backstory told my wife I was getting my suit for our wedding Saturday and I went to play basketball I w the, the court was near the mall don't look at me like that <laughs> so I had to call her and tell her I'm at the emergency room she said do they sell suits at the emergency room <laughs> so in my haste and in the doctor's haste he put a cast on me, a temporary cast, and I went home and started to feel a little better for two days, getting ready for this wedding. Um, I was getting married in a wheelchair. I was going to be like Teddy Pendergrass, and um, y'all don't even know who that is. Um, and next thing you know, I have to go to the doctor to get the checkup. I'm getting married Saturday. I'm having a reception Saturday. I got married just as a piece already. So, you know, I got saved and married in about 24 hours to my atheist wife, who has now been my wife for about 30 years. And um, we just said, we're going to be with Jesus. I had a spooky dream. And then I woke up and trusted the Lord. Go figure. Next thing you know, we're doing a reception. And now I get to the hospital. So mind you, they, I went to the hospital, they put the cast on, the temporary, and I get to the doctor. And the doctor says, hey, Doug, how's it feeling? I said, it's, it hurts, but it's not as bad. 
He said, man, I've been thinking about changing the color of that wall. So I rest my foot. So I've got my foot resting on his thigh. And he says, I've been thinking about changing the color of the wall. I said, okay. He said, what do you think about that color? I turn around. He snaps my leg three times. Ka 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 ka. I scream. I think the people called the police. There was Karen's even back then. No, I'm just kidding. Look at <laughs> and you know what he said? Your leg was feeling better, but it was healing wrong. So I had to snap it because if not, if it would have healed wrong, you would have walked wrong. And if you would have walked wrong, it would have affected your hip, which would have moved up to your back and you would have been probably permanently disabled from even working at the time I was 26. He said, you wouldn't have made it to 40. It would have seemed right for a while, but then all the stuff would have worked against you to ultimately destroy your back and stop you from walking. What am I saying? See, sometimes God has to break us to straighten us in the path that we need to be. We come to know Jesus, but sometimes we lack a humility because we had a way before we had the word. And he has to snap that way and put us in the word that we would walk in his word and not in our way. And sometimes God does that to all of us. He likes to snap us into position because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows that the path you would walk would ultimately destroy you. That doesn't mean you would just go to hell. That means you would lead an unproductive, awful, raggedy Christian life. God's got bigger plans than that. So what's the big deal if he snaps you? Snap us, God, that we might walk right for you. Snap us, God, that we might walk in your word and in your way. I'm going to say three things and I'm going to get off this stage. 1230, I'm going to finish, Pastor Chris. I see you looked at your watch seven times. He doesn't, even, he, ha, he doesn't have a watch. He was saying dame time, dame time. <laughs> See, in these dark days when people try to make what's clearly wrong right, it's going to be some suffering. The church must be comfortable with being uncomfortable with the culture. So let me be clear here to my friends at First City. There's a lot of places to turn in your hardships, trials, and tribulations. Yet there is no greater strength than the strength that comes from our Savior. So yeah, be accountable to your pastors. Yes, share in your small groups, but do this for me. Turn to God's word and prayer. Turn to God's word and prayer. It's powerful. James Boyce again says this, nothing but God's word can show us that some suffering is merely common to man. Some corrective, still other suffering constructive, Christ glorifying, or even cosmic. I love that cosmic suffering. I love it. So in light of that, that brings me to my last three crescendo and I'm walking out of here. As the word begins to break us and brings us to deeper commitment to walk in him, the word brings us three things. His power, his promise, and his presence. His power. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Second, his promises. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, the Lord is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. That's his promise. He's with you. And then his presence. Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold, I will hold to you with my righteous right hand. And that's his presence. And you know how we get his presence, his promise, and his power? It's through his word. It's through his word. And I love in 107, he says, give me life, revive me, which means improve my condition. What he's screaming is renovate me, God. Restore me, renew me, rinse me in grace with your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. John says that word is life and that life, that life is the light of man. So what John is teaching us is that all life flows from God's word. He is the fountainhead of life and light. And he, all light ebbs and flows from him, that Zoe life, that spirit life, that transforming life. And it comes in not just to clean up the front door, but it does an entire renovation in us. And so I say in these dark days, in these dark culture that seems to close us in, and try to shut us down. The church, I'm saying, we have the answer. We have God's word. And there's a word for everything in here. Take your time and get back to God's word. We must, we must, we must. My prayer is that when Omaha falls apart, that they come to First City and say, pastors, what do we do? Because we have the word. 